0: Everybody, welcome to Fearless Presentations. I'm Doug Stannard, CEO of the Leaders Institute, and my goal is to help you become a fearless and professional speaker and presenter On this episode, I'm starting a masterclass about presentation skills. So in this this class, we're going to help you reduce nervousness, increase your enthusiasm and energy, help you become a better storyteller, become more persuasive, and actually even help you design speeches in in half the time. So this week on this episode, I'm going to cover nervousness and give you a step-by-step guide to help you apply the skills from the masterclass as we go. So basically don't miss an episode over the next few weeks, by the way, I've created a a free downloadable printable guide for you that you can basically all you have to do is go to fearlesspresentations.com slash audio dash guide. Again, fearlesspresentations.com slash audio dash guide. And I'll put a link to this in the show notes. Uh, you And all you have to do is just go there. You can access it. Every, every week we're going to cover, as we cover new sessions in the masterclass, I'm going to add to the guide as well. So make sure and go back to that link each week to access the new tips. Uh, if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, make sure and do that. Also rate the podcast and leave a review for me. I really appreciate that. All right. So let's get on with the Fearless Presentations Masterclass. <laughs> So let's kind of first talk about where public speaking fear comes from, because that'll help a lot. Uh, Anytime that we try something new, we're going to feel nervous or we're going to feel some anxiety about our performance in that new skill. For instance, watch a 15-year-old drive a car for the first time. You'll likely see that young person very slowly pull into parking spaces in a deserted parking lot. Once the team begins to feel more confident, though, the person teaching this this new driver will increase the difficulty a little bit. So the next phase might be to drive around the block. So even though the teen's confidence will be slightly higher at this point, he or she will likely kind of hug the curb and, and drive very slowly around the neighborhood the first time. Eventually, the young person will start to drive on the highway, and every time the difficulty increases, the risk of failure increases as well. So the nervousness will actually increase. So, how does the nervousness decrease over time? In, in that in the example, the nervousness goes away as the person has a series of successes. You know, for instance, when the young driver begins in the parking lot, the teacher will likely place cones around a parking space. And the first time, that the, the new driver will do this, the cones will be pretty far apart. And then as the person has a, a series of successes, the coach will likely narrow the space between the cones. So the new driver's confidence should grow after a few successes. Next, the coach will have the student go around the block, making maybe only right-hand turns the first time. So again, the first time will be nerve-wracking. But after three or four times, the student's confidence will will again grow. So uh, the instructor will basically keep increasing the difficulty as the confidence of the student increases so that the student continues to learn and grow. So the next challenge will likely be left-hand turns and then a higher traffic area. And then finally, the dreaded highway. So the interesting thing about this process is that as the driver gets more confident, the challenges increase, so the nervousness increases as well. However, because the nervousness is is being created in a more controlled environment, the risk of failure is greatly diminished. So that's why a good public speaking class can actually do wonders for a person's self-confidence. Uh, for instance, in, in our public speaking class, we teach a two-day fearless presentations class. And our expert instructors basically break the art of public speaking down into component parts they teach a, a small class a very specific skill in public speaking and then help each individual participant master that component part and then as the participants grow in confidence the instructor will add a new more difficult component so that the participants can master that part as well just as with driving after four or five of the of these critical components are mastered the self confidence of the participants increase pretty dramatically By the way, most presentation training and most presentation classes actually fail. And here's why. The technique that most of these presentation coaches use is to, number one, they're going to assign a speech to the people in the the class. And then number two, they're going to let the participants fail. (laughs) And then number three, they're going to use constructive criticism to help the person improve. So if you go back to the student driver example, that would be like telling the student to drive. And then when the student has an accident the first time behind the wheel, going to the driver when he or she is at their most vulnerable and telling that person all the things that they did wrong. So once someone experiences a perceived failure, It is much more difficult now to refocus and try again so in most classes most public speaking classes. The instructor will likely just repeat that terrible process over and over and over again, so in the mind of the student every time he gets up in front of the group he fails. A better way to teach public speaking, though, is to break the presentation down into simple component parts and then coach the person during the presentation so that the student has no chance of failing in the first place. Don't wait until after they present it, actually coach them while they're presenting. So like, for instance, in our classes, we focus on a very few simple components like building up your credibility as a with a good self-introduction, and then really getting good at delivering full presentations without having to rely on notes, being a fantastic storyteller, being able to persuade your audience effectively, dealing with tough questions in a, in a confident way, and then being able to design an entire presentation from scratch very quickly and easily without having to memorize an entire presentation. So as you can see, as the participants grow through the class, The component parts get a little bit more challenging, but every step along the way, the person is dramatically increasing his or her confidence. So before you sign up for a public speaking class or before you listen to a friend or coworker who means well, make sure that the coaching that that, that you're receiving is designed to help you increase your confidence, not decrease it. One of the reasons why the fearless presentations classes work so well is that we have very high quality content and the best world-class public speaking coaches. So if you want to lower your risk and increase your chances to succeed when you speak in front of a group, attend a local class in your area, you can find a list of upcoming classes posted on our website at fearlesspresentations.com slash seminar dash schedule. So when I was in college, I had an internship with a really big oil and gas company. And while I was working there, I felt like I really impressed the people around me. I had a good work ethic and I was pretty determined and resourceful. My productivity was pretty high. So many of the projects that I worked on were actually finished weeks, sometimes even months ahead of schedule to everybody's surprise. But at the end of the internship, I, along with a half dozen other interns, were asked to give a presentation to the executive committee who created the intern program. Now, of course, my boss was in the meeting, and my boss's boss was also in the meeting, and there were three vice vice presidents, and all of my intern peers were there, plus various observers from other parts of the company. So in the beginning, I didn't really think much of the presentation, but as the day moved closer and closer, I began to get more and more nervous I was the youngest person to ever be accepted into this, this program. I was just 19 years old. And then the next youngest, by the way, intern was about 23 and was in her second year of law school. So I felt a little outclassed to say the least but my boss told me that this would be a great opportunity to shine. And he said that if I could just get across to this group how productive I had been for the company over that that few months that I was working there, that I would have no problem getting a generous permanent offer after I graduated from, from school. So that actually made me even more nervous. So I I basically wrote the speech out word for word. I memorized it. I practiced the speech over and over and over again. I mean, I had a flawless delivery. And then I realized that I needed a few visual aids, so I created a couple of black and white cutouts of of topics I'd I would I'd be covering in the presentation. And of course, the big day came, and I walked into the room. I'm trembling from fear, you know. The pressure is really starting to get to me. I noticed that every single person in the room had a very nicely pressed suit. And I was wearing slacks with a shirt and tie, but no jacket. And the reason why is because I didn't even own a jacket at the time. The And so the pressure began to build even more. Now, as the first presenter was introduced, she walked to the front of the room. She set down a manila folder and turned on her overhead projector. I mean, this was the days before PowerPoint and presentation slides and that kind of thing. But um, she put up this beautiful color-filled slide. Um and I at the time I'm thinking, holy cow, she went to marketing and got some of the color printed things, which we didn't have in our office. You had to actually request those as a as a special project back then. But I I didn't think of that. Oh, my God, I should have thought of that, right? And then the second presenter got up to speak. And, and when he started to speak, I became even more nervous because he had the audience laughing. They were nodding their heads. Within just a couple of seconds, he it created a true rapport with the audience. And I started thinking at that point that, oh, my God, I don't have any jokes in my presentation. And I couldn't see anybody, how anybody would be nodding in agreement with me because I was just prepared to recite a bunch of facts, about what I'd done for the summer. And of course, now my stomach is really churning and it was my turn. So as the director called my name and I stood and moved my hands to pick up my notes, when I did that, the napkin that my hand was resting on basically came with me. It was attached as a result of the sweat that seemed to be pouring from my palms at that point. And as I peeled it off, I picked I picked up my notes and and I could see the pages shaking in my hand. I just prayed that the people in the audience couldn't see it. As I spoke my first sentence, I could feel the beads of sweat on my forehead. So I, I pulled the sleeve of my white shirt across my brow. And a few seconds later, I used the other sleeve and continued alternating them throughout the presentation. And I talk pretty fast anyway, but when I get nervous, I talk really, really, really fast. In fact, so fast, it's really, really hard to keep up. And I gave my entire 15-minute speech in less than five minutes, and I said every single word. I didn't forget anything, by the way. And as I looked into the faces of the audience members, no one was nodding. In fact, most people just had kind of a blank look of confusion and when I, when I sat down, there was just utter silence in the room and the director called for a break and, and I looked at my sleeves and they were soaked to my skin i was so embarrassed that i wanted to just kind of crawl under the table and 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 die i mean i would i just had been happy if if i didn't have to face anybody in that room at that point if i could have walked out of that room and never laid eyes upon any of those people again i would have gladly done that and then about seven months later when the intern committee came to from this company actually came back to my school my advisor pulled me aside and he told me that they had actually told him that they would not be extending an offer to me at that point. And I was crushed. I mean, I'd never failed this badly at anything in my life. And and I tell you that story, by the way, so that you can see that if I can become a good enough speaker, that people actually pay me to speak to them, then anybody can do this. So as a result of that failure, by the way, for the next few years, when I had an opportunity to present to a group I began to either defer to somebody else or, or make excuses to kind of get out of speaking. And during that time, I learned a valuable lesson. And, and that lesson is that right or wrong, people form a perception of our competence based on how confidently we are when we present ourselves. So uh, let me give you an example. So let's say that You've got a pain in your side and you go see a doctor about it. And the doctor looks at you and he says, "Um, well, um, you know, you might um, hmm, have to have your um, appendix um, taken out, maybe. I mean, how competent are you going to feel about that doctor's ability to treat you? Or even worse, let's say the doctor says all the right things. But as he looks over your chart, you notice that his hands are shaking it doesn't really matter how many degrees this person has or how many initials that doctor has after his or her last name. I mean, you're probably going to want to to get a second opinion. You're probably going to question that doctor's competency. And that's exactly what happened to me during that first presentation. I realized that even though I had been a respected and valued employee for that company, the negative perception that was formed about me during my presentation counteracted pretty much all of the goodwill that I'd I'd previously developed with the the folks that I'd worked with. And I vowed that that same thing would never, ever, ever happen to me again. So I was going to do whatever I had to do to make sure that the next time that I gave a presentation, I would give the audience a true representation of my abilities. So the problem that I had was that I didn't know where to start. (laughs) Where do you go to become a better speaker? So the first thing that I did was I joined a Toastmasters group. So the people who attended the club that I joined were they were fantastic people, by the way. In fact, I still there were a couple of them that I still keep in touch with. I still consider them to be friends today. But as I watched each one of those people present, I noticed even the most senior members were not really the most captivating speakers, right? They weren't the kind of speaker that I wanted to become. And in fact, most of the talks that I heard were not very compelling at all. Most were pretty boring. So I began to ask some of the members how long it had taken them to get to the level that they were at in in the group. And the first I talked to said about fifteen years. I was shocked. You know, first I, I, I knew I didn't want to spend the next fifteen years struggling with this. I, I knew that. And besides, after fifteen years of, of practice, the guy still wasn't a great speaker. So it reminded me of of actually the first time I took up golf. Uh, I. I didn't have a lot of money to spend at the time. So I bought a cheap set of golf clubs and I went out to the local driving range and I hacked around for a few weeks. And I, I, I seemed to actually be getting worse, though, than when I started. The, the golf pro from the pro shop kind of saw me struggling and he'd probably seen this many, many times before. And he asked if I wanted to take a few lessons. And I told him that I had more time than money. So I, I just kind of keep practicing on my own for a little while. And I and I said something to him that is kind of a common phrase that you'll hear a lot. I said, Well, you know what they say, practice makes perfect. And he smiled. He actually laughed, right? He smiled and he replied, Well, they're wrong because practice does not make perfect. He said, practice makes permanent. He said, if you practice a bad golf swing over and over again, then you're going to get really, really good at a bad golf swing. And when you come to me later, it's just going to take that much longer to break your bad habits and that's exactly what my my friends in the toasting clubs have been doing all all those years you know i realized that if i really wanted to be a great speaker that i was going to have to learn from great speakers so i basically got a, a coach and, and the coach that i Hired was actually one that made a living speaking in front of a groups, and since that day, by the way, I've attended over you know a dozen different public speaking classes. I've trained with some of the most highly paid public speaking coaches in the world, and I've taught myself. I've taught over a thousand different public speaking classes, and in that time, I've identified a very a number of very very simple. Key things that anybody can do to overcome fear and nervousness in front of a group, and I've used these things myself with great great success. So, over the last ten years of my public speaking classes, I've I've watched the confidence of thousands of people grow and develop, and, and really in a matter of minutes as a result of using some of these simple techniques. So basically, in this recording, you're going to find an outline of the tips and techniques that successful speakers use and they have used for centuries to create solid, polished first impressions and and deliver dynamic, fearless presentations. So let's first kind of talk about public speaking fear and where it comes from. It, it's a universal fear. And in fact, it's it's kind of funny. A, a number of years ago, in an episode of Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld talked about a poll that had been conducted in which Americans said that their number one fear was the fear of public speaking and the fear of death was actually number five. And so he made a joke out of it. He said that that, you would, that would mean that at a funeral, people are five times more likely to want to be in the casket than actually up giving the eulogy and got lots of big laughs. Some of the best humor, by the way, usually has an element of truth in it. So we can learn from this And in, in that when we feel nervous in front of a group, you know, basically we're normal. That's kind of a normal thing. Almost everybody feels that nervousness and anxiety. And in fact, the be- very best speakers are the ones who put that fear aside and perform anyway. So basically what we're going to cover in this section are a few simple things that you can do to help you perform better in your next presentation and really ease some of that nervousness and anxiety. So number one, you want to realize that a lot of the nervousness, that a lot of the things that happen to us when we get nervous, they don't actually show to the audience. In fact, most of the symptoms, the nervous butterflies in your stomach, the sweaty palms, the faster heart rate, all of those kind of things they don't show to an audience, and if you if you set your notes down on a lectern, the audience most likely won't even be able to see your shaky hands. So just kind of keep that in mind. Number two is about written material. You never, 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 never 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 Absolute accuracy must be maintained, like in a legal situation or something like that. Otherwise, just make brief notes. A little spontaneity adds a tremendous amount of character to your talk. Written speeches are almost always boring when you, because basically, what you're going to try to do is you're going to try to read the text, and it's much more difficult to make a connection with your audience when you're doing that. Number three, is you'd never wanna commit your entire presentation to memory. Never memorize a talk word for word because if you memorize a talk word for word, it can actually lead to more anxiety. It will actually make you more nervous if something out of the ordinary happens or if you lose your train of, of thought um, then you're, you're basically putting an extreme amount of pressure on yourself to get back into your presentation. So a better way to memorize your talk is to narrow your talk down to just a few key concepts, a few key points, commit those main ideas to memory. And then if during your presentation, you have additional time, you can add additional details to the main ideas. And if time runs short, which oftentimes it does, you can rest assured that your main points will be delivered effectively. Tip number four is you want to show up early. You want to get an idea for the setting, mingle with your audience and test any equipment that's that you're going to be using. That way, if anything bad happens, you can fix it well before you actually start to speak. Tip number five is to take a few deep breaths. When, when many of us get nervous, we tend to take more shallow breaths. We we breathe more shallowly. Now, this robs your brain of oxygen. It can actually create a negative reinforcing cycle because what happens is that we originally take a shallow breath out of nervousness, and then we try to speak. Then somewhere along the way, we realize that we're not going to be able to finish the sentence before we run out of air. <laughs> And then we speed up and that makes us even more nervous. And our next breath is even more shallower. And this cycle occurs. Basically, all you have to do is just kind of pause, take a deep breath and then continue. And it'll basically kind of fix itself. Tip number six is you want to look for a friendly face. As you are approaching the front, basically make eye contact with a few friendly faces in your audience. Smile and they'll probably smile back. Um, It will put both of you at ease. Tip number seven is to drop your hands. Your hands and your gestures can add great impact to your delivery, but if you're not using your hands, just kind of drop them down to your side. It it does feel kind of awkward at first. I'll kind of warn you there, but dropping your hands to your side is the most natural gesture that you can ever use. For instance, when you walk down the hallway at your office, do you cup your hands in front of you as you walk? (laughs) Is it more natural to lock your hands behind you when you walk? You know, probably not. In most situations, it's natural to just kind of let your hands drop to your side. When you do this, it will allow you to look more purposeful when a gesture is actually needed. By the way, we're going to we're going to focus on this quite a bit in one of the latter sections. Tip number 8 is to speak on topics on which you are the expert. So one of the reasons toasting clubs and speech classes and things like that can actually make people more nervous is the topics that people tend to choose to speak on during one of these activities. A lot of times these topics are not things that they know inside and out. And maybe they've just done a very little bit of research on them. So if someone's going to ask you to present about a business topic, the main reason why they would ask you to do it is because you're the most qualified person to speak on that topic. You're qualified because of your experience. Your delivery should be as casual as if your best friend came up to you and asked, hey, how's your project going? You know, This will allow you to deliver your topic in a way that makes the audience feel as if you're you're talking to each person directly. Tip number nine is to be excited about your topic. If you aren't excited or enthused about the topic that you're presenting on, then nobody else in your audience is going to be either. So if you give your audience energy, they're going to give energy back to you. And then finally, tip number 10 is to practice. And rather than practicing your presentation in front of a mirror, which, by the way, is a bad idea, when you do this, you're going to tend to find that you will nitpick every single thing that you do negative, and and your audience is never going to do those kind of things, by the way. Try practicing your delivery by using it in a conversation with a friend or or maybe a loved one. Hey, have i told you about the project I'm working on, right? That kind of practice works a whole lot better. By the way, after training thousands of people to become better speakers, one thing that I know for sure is that everybody gets nervous when they present at least at times. Exceptional speakers basically just don't show it. In fact, in many cases, the great speakers will use that nervousness to their advantage. So basically, in the next section, we're going to show you actually how to use that nervousness to your advantage. So here's a few action items, some things that you can do to help you reduce public speaking fear. One of the things that I would suggest that you do is make a list of the things that happen to your body when you personally get nervous. This is going to be different for different people. So it could be butterflies in your stomach. It could be the sweaty palms. It could be losing your train of thought. Whatever those things are, put out the things that happen to you. And, and then once you kind of write those things down, Basically, determine which of those things will an audience actually be able to see. Those things that you just listed, which what of those things that you wrote down will the audience actually be able to see? For the ones that the audience will be able to see, which of the 10 tips may help you reduce each of those items that you've listed above? So remember that each of those 10 tips cannot help you until you actually apply them in an actual presentation and have a series of successes. So the following process can really help you as far as real world application goes. So number one, focus on one tip at a time. In each of your upcoming presentations, focus on a simple tip. For instance, in your next presentation, get comfortable starting your presentation with your hands dropped to your side so that you can use more gestures. Once you get good at that, then focus on a different tip. Number two, one of the things that you can do is attend a public speaking class. Now, obviously, we teach the Fearless Presentations classes. They're in cities all over the world, and they help participants apply each of these tips in a in a fairly step-by-step fashion. So if you want to master these tips quickly, then you can attend one of our classes. But really just getting a coach and somebody who is a professional speaking coach can really help you apply these things in a much more effective way. So don't forget to download the free guide from my website, and we'll see you next week on the Fearless Presentations Podcast. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.